Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. That's the theme. Yeah. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. My name is Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? It's a wonderful evening. Welcome into another episode where we try each week, with the help from our super time computer, Al, to go back in time to a past Oscars and figure out where they got it wrong. So why don't we go ahead and fire up Al and see where he wants to take us this week. All right, Al. Take it away. All right, thanks, Al. Well, it looks like we're going to play our game that we love to play each week. Corey, what is that game? Oh, that's right. It's time for headlines. All right, so each week we take a year and we take a category and we play a little game with Corey because Corey is not supposed to know what year we have until we play a little game with him. So, Yeah, it's my favorite part of every episode. (laughs) This year, President George... H.W. Bush was president. <laughs> okay, so a uh, four-year span. I think he was... Mm, mm. See, I'm throwing you I'm throwing you a bone here, right? Okay. I'm giving you a real, real easy yeah. we- easy uh, year. You're limiting the scope of years. Yeah, if I could only four years. What election he won? 1988? I think... Okay, it's yes. not 1988. Yes. No, 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 no. Uh, he was elected in 80, in 88 because Reagan was elected in 80 and then 84. And then H.W. was elected in 88. So we now have, he, he was president, so he was 90 to 94. Uh, that's, that's, I'm going with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so... The Hubble telescope was placed into into orbit on April 25th of this year. Come on, NASA fans out there. Tell Corey, tweet him right now, and tell him what year it was that the Hubble Space Telescope was released on April 25th of this year. What year was it, Corey? Well, let's see. If we're going by, you know what? I think I, <laughs> I, think I was wrong. With George Bush's presidential term. I think I gave him a, a six-year term there. Um, the, our presidents in the United States only have four-year terms, Jeff. I don't know if you know this or not. So I do know this. I think it's like 89, 92 was the end of his term. So not even to 94. Ugh. Oh. All right. So the Hubble telescope was released April of 89 through 92. Okay. Every April they released a part of it. I have no idea. But I'm in range. I'm in a better range now than that first one. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's the last thing I'll give you. One of my favorite television shows. Wings? No, not Wings. Oh. Not Friends? Wings. I was. I thought you were going to say Friends or oh. Golden Girls. But Golden no. Girls? Yeah, that's no. my next one. Yeah. No. The television show to launch the career of a young man named Jim Carrey. Oh, I think I know what television show this is. Okay. Premiered mm. on Fox on April 15th of this year. April 15th. Of this year. Lots of April facts. Go. Uh, so this is In Living Color that you're referring to. Absolutely. Okay. Spawn the careers of... All the Wayneses. All the Wayneses. Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, Jennifer Lopez. But she, was she an original Fly Girl? So yeah, w- I think was so. she a part Pretty of sure this, she was. this original inaugural cast? I don't know. <laughs> Um, I mean, or was she still just Jenny from the block at this point? I, don't I, know. I honestly ha- could care less. <laughs> I, I really only cared about the Wayans brothers and Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, yeah. Oh, man. I, I want to say, mm, in Living Color is... And David Allen Greer. Can't forget about David Allen Greer. Oh, I, in Living Color to me sort of defines 90s for me. So I'm just going to go at the beginning of the decade and say 1990. Awesome. Corey got it. Oh! 1990. Wow. All right. Yeah. I, I fucked my way through presidential uh, history, but uh, came back around when it came to... <laughs> in living color. In living color. I'm a little proud of that. A little, I don't know. <laughs> so 1990 is the year of the movies that we're going over. 
Yeah, so we're going to be doing, and our category this year is going to be Best Picture. Oh. We like to keep it in the in, in Best Picture. It just feels fun for us. Keeping it old school. Got yes. it. I like it. I like it. Thank you, Al. All right, so 19, Al, go ahead and bring up all of the details for the 1991 Academy Awards. Now, we're going to pause for a quick second so that Corey can review the movies of 1990. And all of the movies that were nominated in 1991. So we're just going to take a quick short break. Go ahead and go take your bathroom break. We'll be right back. Oh, welcome back. I yeah. just uh, I just power watched the uh, the 1991 Academy Awards. I think I'm ready. Cool to, to go forward with this. Awesome. Uh, this is the 63rd annual Academy Awards. Fun times. Do you know who hosted this season or this season? <laughs> I'm just going to assume Billy Crystal because I assume he does every single one. In it 90s. is Billy Crystal. It is yeah. his second consecutive hosting uh, job here uh, because the previous show and was we, so we got to say he is the best host, absolutely of all time. Uh, this um, was the second year that they also carried over a theme to the Academy Awards. Uh, was that theme giving the wrong person an Oscar? No, that's our theme every okay. week, Jeff. Sorry. No, the theme for this is 100 years. Oh, you know what? Let's go ahead and, yeah, now that I know the information, let's take a peek behind the Oscars. It's time for a peek behind the Oscars. Is it a look? No, it's just a peek behind the Oscars. Uh, the theme was 100 Years of Film, Jeff, because... 100 Years of Film. What do you think they were celebrating 100 Years of? Um, film? But, like, specific... There's two specific things that they're celebrating here. But it's not in... Like, film existed prior to 1901. Like, moving pictures did. So, like, it's not quite... Yes, but wasn't it not film? It was more of the Xena ah. or the the... the the film that was like the animals jumping. Yes, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was mostly that kind of stuff. Um, this it marks the hundred year celebration, the centennial of uh, Thomas Edison's kinetoscope and the development of celluloid film by Eastman Kodak. Wow. Yeah. Revolutionized the film at industry. At what point did the Hollywood film industry? <laughs> at what point did the Hollywood elite leave the Edison company and move to Hollywood so they didn't have to pay him for his invention? <laughs> that was so they were too far away from the co- from the copyrights. That was probably within twenty years. The Warner Brothers were like, "Fuck you, Edison! Stop <laughs> suing us! They we're going to Hollywood." They should celebrate the the eighty year. At, yeah, at right. That. So the eighty years of them being independent from Edison. <laughs> right. Edison was a dick. Everybody. In case you didn't know, go ahead and uh, you know crack. Crack open a Wikipedia page and read how fucking awful Thomas Edison was to people back then. Um, yeah, so uh, hosted by Bill, Billy Crystal, second consecutive. It was um, he was such a popular host that they asked him back uh, for a second time. Uh, this particular Oscars became the most Oscars or the most watched Oscars uh, telecast since because you got Billy fucking Crystal, man. Right uh, since 1984. So in 84, they were just like, yeah, this is great. And then they took a dive until 91 when they brought Billy Crystal back. And everybody was like, yeah, tell your friends, you know, because Billy Crystal is great. The uh, most nominated film this year was also... Dances with Wolves. Yes, it was Dances with Wolves. (laughs) Uh, It had 12 nominations. It actually won seven of its awards. Uh, The runners-up... For most nominated were Dick Tracy, believe it or not, and I believe that I think Dick Tracy is still a good movie. Uh, <laughs> and Godfather Part Three. That is unbelievable because that is a terrible movie. It's not great. It is a terrible fucking movie. It uh, not only is not a good Godfather movie, it's not a yeah, good movie. It's just not a good movie. Even if you love Godfather movies, that is a terrible movie. Now they yeah. should have given. I love Godfather movies. Terrible movie. You should, they should have given uh, Andy Garcia a nomination eh. because he had to pretend to think Sofia Coppola was hot. T- no, just to be in love with Sofia Coppola, <laughs> who was giving him nothing through that entire movie. Yeah, but honestly, the script, because, okay, it was, it was Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, mm-hmm. and he wrote the script, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. whole thing centers around her being beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, beauty is all on the inside. I truly believe yeah. that. Totally. But, but. 
<laughs> the whole script is them telling the whole script. They're going through the thing, telling her how beautiful she was. Yeah. And she's a very average looking girl. She's not ugly, but she's yeah, a very yeah. average looking chick. She's and a normal, normal girl. And why is the whole script centered around everybody telling her she's beautiful? I never understood that. And Andy Garcia at that time was Andy Garcia, man. Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Andy Garcia is trying <laughs> real hard. And you got to give him credit for that. But, uh, yeah, not only was is Sofia Coppola sort of uh, uh, average, not average, like a regular girl kind of a thing. doesn't yeah. sort of fit the bill for what the, the script says. But she is just uh, wet paper. On film. <laughs> She's not acting very She well. is a fantastic director. Fantastic director. She did Suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, she's, the, done, yeah, she's the, done her movies. You yeah, know. Virgin uh, Suicides, right? Yes. And um, Mary Antoinette and a slew of others. Lost in Translation. She lost in mm-hmm. lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie. Uh, you know, so she's a great director, but not not giving it. I mean, she may have been giving it her all, but uh, her all is not great when it comes to acting. And I think she may recognize that because she's like, nah, I'll direct. Yeah, but he openly has said that whenever he makes a film, he will give his family parts because Absolutely. He, he has no qualms about that. He, it's filmed by nepotism. It's the way Francis Ford Coppola but works. Yeah, that's why his brother made the theme song, the famous mm-hmm. theme song to Which Godfather. Which is it's great. great. It's a great theme yeah, song. It's fantastic It's his score. brother that did it or cousin or something. I don't know. It's, it's, it's somebody related to him. Uh, but that was that was you know good hiring on that part. Putting his daughter in the thing is is um, yeah. I'm surprised Nicolas Cage didn't play the other. Guy. <laughs> in the third installment, young Michael Corleone will be played by Nicolas Coppola. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, but they they both got seven nominations. Uh, Dick Tracy, I think, went on to get three wins, while The Godfather Part Three won zero. So the Academy also <laughs> noticed how bad that movie was. Yeah. They were like, well, I mean, I, maybe they felt obligated to nominate The Godfather Part Three because the other two were such highly decorated films. They were like, somebody pulled them into a, into a room and went, Frank, come on over here, buddy. And they're like, dude, we know you've gotten nominated for all the other ones and won, so we'll nominate you. But, dude, you're not winning for this. Maybe This is a, this is a, this is a stinker. Maybe it was like a Sicilian tribute you know, yeah. it was just like a custom, like, ah, oh, you, you give them the nomination, <laughs> you know, so that they, you, you know, it's respect. It's a respect It's a respect thing, thing yeah. you know. They kiss the ring. They yeah. kiss the ring of his. Uh, but then they didn't give him any gold. <laughs> uh, Kevin Costner, uh, Dancing with Wolves, uh, director and star, becomes the fifth Best Director winner for his directorial debut. Do you know that? And who are the other ones? Oh, uh, that were one for their directorial debut? Yes. Uh, that would be Jerome Robbins for West Side Story in 1961. Yeah. That was a first time director. That was directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerome awesome. Robbins was, I think, like the choreographer, and he also got directing credit or something okay. like that. Like, there's a, it was a directing duo that happened on that film, or like the original director got credit but walked off halfway through the, I don't know. There's a, there's a whole story there. Uh, Robert Redford in 1980 for Ordinary People won. Yes. Actually, yeah. Uh, it's actually a well disputed one. Uh, his win for directing, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, James L. Brooks for Terms of Endearment in 1983, mm-hmm. and then that's one, two, three. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Uh, Delbert Mann in 1955 for Marty, but nobody knows who that is. That's listening, I'm sure. Uh, and then uh, Kevin Costner became the fifth for Dances with Wolves. Okay, so um, all it's only been done one other time. Care. By the way, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. since the on- there's only been one other director that's won for the directorial debut, uh, 1999. So it's been 20 years since who na- in 1999? That was uh, Sam Mendes for uh, American Beauty. Won in 1999. Okay, but, yeah, and American Beauty was a damn good movie. It was. Uh, unfortunately, it stars. Uh, it has a tainted lead singer or lead, lead star. Lead singer. Yep. Nope. Lead singer. Lead singer. Lead Annette singer, Benning. No, but it, it has a tainted lead. Oh, lead. not not Annette Benning. <laughs> no, not let not Annette Benning. But it had, does have a tainted <laughs> lead, and that sucks for that movie. But uh, he also was nominated for best actor and best director for the same film, which is another uh, feat that's pretty awesome. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. This one is probably so. My, Corey, would my you say thing. that you like Kevin Costner? I do. In Kevin Costner movies. You know what's interesting? <laughs> you know, that, that brings up... Okay, so we did the Tom Cruise thing as a sort of uh, a dig at uh, the listener who's, <laughs> who had a, a full-on you know, marital dispute over whether or not I liked uh, 
particular Kevin Costner movies or which Kevin Costner movie was my favorite Kevin Costner movie. I think Dances with Wolves probably is my favorite Kevin Costner movie. I you just to throw it out there, I love the movie Dances with Wolves. Uh, Dances with Wolves is and a great movie. It is very spotty which dance which Kevin Costner films I like. I think Kevin Costner films are few and far between that I like. Because he is a, he fucking walks through every part he plays. I don't know why. He, I don't know why people keep hiring him. He does. I, I would have to say, like, I've only recently seen Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is a fantastic movie. Uh, but I would say there's, it's a neck and neck between Field of Dreams and, um, and uh, <clears throat> this movie. If you watch movies Dances of Wolves. Kevin Costner before he got really big, mm-hmm. he's great. He's great in those movies. Mm-hmm. But... If you see movies with Kevin Costner after he got really big, you see Dance with Wolves, and then you see like The Postman, Waterworld, mm-hmm, yeah, um, Dan- uh, Robin Hood, mm-hmm. um, which happens right after this movie mm-hmm. or right before. I, and I don't know the same I, year. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I think it came out <clears throat> earlier in the year than this movie. Yeah, I don't know when it got filmed, mm-hmm. but he walked that. I mean, it, it, it's terrible. <laughs> you watch Dance or you watch uh, Robin Hood now, and you're like, man. He really phoned this one in. Yeah, it is not. People have a fondness for this movie as a nostalgia piece. Which, which one? Dance with Wolves? Uh, no, Robin Hood. Robin Hood, yeah. Um, which it's I, one of the best Robin Hoods still. Uh, and he phoned it in. It would have been a great. <laughs> it wouldn't. Have, it would have been a great film if he would have just like done a good job. Yeah, there are a lot of people around him doing solid work, but the film itself is a little. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't quite work on all. It's the best telling of Robin Hood. Sure, but it, it's still there's some there's some real. The newest one sucks. Robin Hood with a mullet, you know, like it's. <laughs> oh, well, whatever. <laughs> you know, it it's, it gets weird. It's, it's, spots, it's but I honestly think it's the best telling of the story. But I would not disagree. The Russell Crowe one is atrocious, and uh, I saw the new one. Yeah, because I. I oh, like, you were you were jacked for the new. Robin I Hood. wanted to see the new one because it looks so good. It was the it was the the Kingsman mm-hmm. with swords and knights and arrows, and it didn't. And Jamie deliver. Fox. It didn't deliver. No. Yeah, it got terrible reviews. Jamie Fox could not play the Morgan Freeman part. No. And uh, uh, it just didn't work. Yeah. Well, you know, they're going to continue to make the Robin Hood films because it's a, a thing. But that it's they all the same for. fucking story. If they would do a different oh, yeah. story, no, no. See, I would, I would say that the best telling of the Robin Hood story is the Disney animated Robin Hood. I wouldn't. <laughs> but what I don't understand is why can't I they? I love that. Animated okay, film. with with every other story, what they've done is they've done like a prequel, or they've done like like Young Robin Hood. Ooh. Yeah, Young Robin Hood, or they've done <laughs> done like Robin Hood like during the Crusades or Robin Hood. Sure. I don't understand why they can't do something like that. Robin Hood, every single version is the exact same telling. I think they There's can four versions right now. They can put that one to rest. I don't think we need another Robin Hood movie. You know what I'm saying? I think you could do it at a different time. I, I just, I don't think that we need Robin Hood anymore. Maybe you know we saying? don't, but the people Or do. maybe Robin Hood. The people do. Like the, the underlying story there with like Rob from the Rich, Give to the Poor kind of thing. Just update it. Robin Hood 2049. You know, like. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I some, got some, but That's kind of what that. they tried to do with this new one. Because if you see them in, in the Crusades. No, it's if oh. you go see them in the Crusades. It is so insane how it looks like uh, it looks like they made special forces, but they all still have air, arrows. Their oh. uniforms and everything look like special forces. Is there like does Robin Hood do parkour in this? Yeah, he does. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and the arrows are in, the arrows when they pass by the, them, they like they like explode rocks. And oh, stuff. they explode rocks. It's insane how the, yeah. these arrows are. Really shitty masonry is what that tells me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kevin Costner, um, there's a clip on online where he tells a story to Graham Norton. You ever see... Uh, Love Graham Norton. Graham Norton. Anybody who's a fan of movies or anything should watch Graham Absolutely. Norton. Absolutely. The, the uh, couch that he puts together with just sort of random celebrities, yep. it, it makes for some of the best it Makes me uh, jealous. I want to do that in here. That would be awesome. Yeah, yes. it's sort of like uh, like what John Favreau did with uh, Dinner for Five, where he just got like a bunch of people together, and they just have a conversation. Yeah, John Favreau did it more like a, a quiet conversation with actors. Yeah, but this I'm is saying more Graham like Norton, a rompous conversation. Yeah, but Graham Norton kind of just puts people together on a couch, and they all kind of just feed off each other. And yeah. like, yeah, he he sort of guides the conversation yeah. like an interview, but all of them at once, kind of a thing. It's a really nice, and they all feed off each other. It's good. I like I like it when. Um, 
I like it when he gets them to tell weird stories and the actors feed off each other because the actors like, oh, that happened to right, me. Yeah. Or where there's an actor on on the couch that has met one of the more famous actors and they tell the story of how they like were a you know a kid and they got them to sign a thing and you know you never would have known that it was gonna be me and we'd be starring in this movie together kind of thing. You get those kinds of stories. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a fun fun show. But Kevin Costner was on the show. I don't know how long ago, but it's one of those you know you get. Did he clips. talk about Sizzle Beach USA? No, he did not. <laughs> Uh, but he was uh, he was talking about how there was this writer friend of his that um, was real frustrated with uh, Hollywood, and he was uh, just pissy, right? And he and Kevin Costner got into a, a, a scuffle, and Kevin Costner fuffle. Yeah, he he pinned him to the wall and was just like, "Stop blaming everybody else, motherfucker!" Like you got to. Was it Harvey Weinstein? No, 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 no. He's okay. like, "This is not their problem. It's not the industry's problem. It's your problem. Like just fucking write something that's good." You know, and uh, he thought, you know, well, that's the end of that friendship kind of a thing. And uh, I guess, you know, a few months later or whatever, the guy was uh, sort of on hard times and he had a place to stay. So he stayed with Kevin Costner for a month or so and um, was like, you know, I'm tail between his legs a little bit. and was like, uh, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to I'm going to write something. And he was like, great, go write something. And every night, I guess he would, uh, you know, ask Kevin, like, hey, will you read what I've written? You know, and he was like, no, I'm not going to read what you wrote, man. You're an asshole. Like, I'm not going to read it. And uh, then his wife started calling Kevin <laughs> on set and whatever and be like, hey, uh, your friend is uh, reading pages of this thing to our daughter. <laughs> you know, and he's like, what the fuck? What, what's, what's up, man? Like, wh- what are you doing? And he's like, I'm, I'm almost finished. I'm finished, whatever. Like, and the guy finishes his script. He t- takes off and he moves to like Arizona or some shit, becomes like a bar back at some shitty restaurant. Like a Chinese restaurant, right? And um, he uh, he calls Kevin Costner when he's like, "Hey, man, did you did you read the thing? I left I left a copy for you." And he's like, yeah, "I saw that you left a copy for me." He's like, "Yes, and I made the movie, and I'm making all I got no, all the money no, no, from no, it. No. Fuck you." And he's like, "Stop bugging me. I'm not going to read the damn script." And eventually convinces Kevin Costner to read the script. He's like, "Man, I'm in a hard place, man. I just need you to read the script because uh, I got a shitty job, and like that's the I poured everything." out of myself into that script and now I don't know what else to do kind of thing and Kevin Costner eventually read the script and that script was Dancing with Wolves this makes Dances with Wolves this makes Kevin Costner sound like an asshole well the guy the, they, they had a contentious <laughs> I thought I set up that they had a contentious relationship yeah in the but beginning. I mean the whole and time that guy like, was a just jerk. read the script yeah. and Kevin Costner the whole time is like I'm not going to read anything you write <laughs> I may be coloring Kevin Costner a little He's like, poorly here, but I'll let you live in my house, but I will not give you a fucking break at all. I'm not going to give you one iota of of a chance in this fucking industry because you're an asshole. Yeah, so you know, be so careful who you're an asshole fuck to. Kevin Costner, then that's basically what you're saying. Maybe is but, Kevin Costner uh, is a dick. Tweet us at Switch Envelope if you think Kevin Costner is a dick for uh, holding out on his friend who wrote Dances with Wolves. Ultimately, yeah. they made the movie, and then the friend ended the up. The guy made a lot of money. And his friend ended up giving him an Oscar. I think uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for uh, writing *Dance with the Wolves* as well. So you're saying his friend Jim Wilson, potentially Jim yes. Wilson, is the guy you're talking to? Might be talking about. Yeah, he doesn't name him in the video, but since you um, seem to know the writer of *Dancing with the Wolves*, <laughs> no, I just know the producer. *Dances with the Wolves*. Jim Wilson is the producer of the movie. Oh, well, then it's who not got that the guy. Oscar with him? That's for Best Picture, but. The writing. I know it's producer. That's why I said it's not the writer. So not that guy. Another guy. Okay. Um. But yeah. So it it was an interesting story. If you uh, get a chance, you know, go look at the actual uh, clip of Kevin Costner talking about that. Um, it's fascinating. You know, like the there's a lot of turns in uh, in entertainment when you're making art. Like it could just turn on a dime like that. It's it's pretty crazy. It can. Although Um, at that time, I mean, it's more of a turn for Kevin Costner. He was already a star. Yeah. But you know he he ended up going full bore into that um, project and directing it and starring it. Like he was like, I'm gonna make this fucking movie for you. You know, like this is amazing. Well, he knew it was going to make him lots of money. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, you know how I love the Whoopi. I'm I'm a, a big fan of Whoopi Goldberg. Yep. Uh, in 1991, <clears throat> she receives the. I actually really do like Whoopi Goldberg we before she did the View. We are fans of Whoopi Goldberg. Um. In 1991, she received the... All the way back to Jumpin' Jack Flash. Best Supporting Actress nomination and win. 
and she becomes only the second African-American woman to win an Academy Award. That's crazy to me. Only in, you know, 63 years of doing the Academy Awards. Is, does Halle Berry come after her after. as a supporting actress or as an actress? I think Halle Berry becomes the first African-American woman to win a lead actress role. Or uh, Oscar. Yeah, because she wins it for portraying the woman who won supporting, didn't she? Mm. She it has so, there has something to do with that. I thought she won for Monster. Did she not win for Monster? I don't know. I don't think we should that, do some background mm, on that. Let's skip yeah. that. Uh, the first person was famously Hattie McDaniel for Gone with the Wind. So it was like 1939-40 Oscars. All the way to the 1991 Oscars before uh, another African American. Yeah, and that original award. that original portrayal was very um, it it wasn't the most progressive of roles that she was playing. No, but there were no progressive roles being given to people yeah. of color at all yeah. in the early days yeah. um, of, the, of the film industry. You know, and I think there was even some uh, some controversy over that too, where they like had to give. Uh, an honorary award to a white actress because they felt like Ooh, people will be up in arms and they're yeah. wrong and racist. So, you know, Whoopi Goldberg said it straight in 1991. It sucks that it took that long for, you know, the Academy to recognize talent besides skin color. But, uh, you know, it happened. And uh, Whoopi Goldberg is great in Ghosts is what she won it for. It's uh, one of her best roles. Yeah. Though she has a Oda Mae Brown. Yeah. Um, she, um, she wins that movie for me. It's that movie becomes a better movie because it would be Goldberg. Otherwise, it's just sort of Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore having a tortured love affair as, you know, celestial being and sad lady. Well, yeah, I think the cast, I think that those three as a cast worked really well together. Mm -hmm. I think the best part is not Demi Moore. I think Demi Moore is just a just a (laughs) a ball of clay in that movie. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? No, I think Great. the uh, I think Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg in that movie worked so well together. They do. Their their relationship in the movie is is not only funny, but it's actually kind of. I agree. I think they have better chemistry together <laughs> on screen than Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze do. But yeah. um, you do sort of buy the the you know sadness of Demi Moore, I guess. For Patrick Swayze, it, you, uh, you, you I don't, don't really. like you don't like not believe that she's sad that her no, but she's sad. I don't know she's I thought yeah I don't in that movie I didn't really think she was all that great I thought Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg were really good in that movie no I I agree but I'm saying even the guy that plays I can't remember his, she doesn't remember bring his it name down, the guy that plays the villain in that movie oh he's, he's so one of good those, at being the villain he's one of those you know his face guys yeah. <laughs> He's a character actor? Yeah. When you put the word character actor in front of someone, it's like, ah, I know I his face, but I can't know remember name. your name. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to call you a character actor. <laughs> uh, and the last little tidbit here um, is that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino were both nominated for uh, acting awards in this movie, but they also starred in two films this year that were also nominated heavily for Academy Awards. So big year for De Niro and for uh, Pacino. And I think sets and up Pesci. Well, and well, Pesci, but Pesci was nominated for best best. Uh, he won for best uh, supporting actor. Yeah, and beat out uh, Pacino for his portrayal of um, Big Boy. Yes, Big Boy, with the with the like he didn't have like a mustache and some some. Yeah, he's got pin, he's actually got a prosthetic shit. nose and prosthetic lips. If mm. you don't know, it's Al Pacino. It's it's he actually. Um, I remember going to see it and my mom going, is that Al Pacino? Mm. <laughs> yeah, except for the, all the time he's like, Dick Tracy! Yeah. Ooh-ah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't think that movie had come out yet, right? No, I don't think no. so. <laughs> Get me Dick Tracy! Hoo-ha! <laughs> and then, you know, they were just like, why are you doing hoo-hahs? He's like, I'll save it for another film. <laughs> it's gonna be big! It's gonna be big! <laughs> they, <laughs> they have um cool. I think Mumbles is uh Dustin Hoffman. Ah, that's right. Mumbles is Dustin Mumbles Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman, yeah. Uh yeah, but I, I thought that was interesting. This sort of like uh proof of the juggernaut quality of both Pacino and um De Niro that like they were in huge movies and they were both nominated. De Niro in was in year, everything like, this year too. Oh, he I was know. also in Cape Fear. Mm-hmm. He was there yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it, there was a big year for uh, De Niro and Pacino, and um, neither of them won their award, but, uh, you know, 
but Joe Pesci did. They made they made uh, solid impressions as superstars, and I think this and is Joe Pesci was in everything this year too. He was in Home Alone. Oh, that's he right. was in. <laughs> that's right. He was in Home Alone. But Home Alone wasn't wasn't uh, nominated for anything. No, I know. But Joe Pesci has made an entire career of playing the exact same guy. Yes, he pretty has, much. He's always played the same guy. He's got one note, but that one note is fantastic. It's a nice note. Yeah, he's he's perfect. He's for a who one he trick is. pony, but that trick is very good. Like Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones it's has more ang- angry. Nah, he's angry got a little more jackass. Not. That's, <laughs> that's like saying uh, what's it called Gene Hackman is only one note. No, they, they that's those guys true. those guys have more depth. Have you seen Hoosiers? <laughs> yes. He plays a second note for that movie and it's wonderful. <laughs> no, I think no, but you cannot you cannot compare Tommy Lee Jones and Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci has one uh no, I'm one I'm street thug from New York. That was a callback to a previous episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that concludes a peek behind the Oscars. Yep. And that concludes our peek behind the Oscars. Is it a look? No, it's just a peek behind the Oscars. All right, so uh, now I think we're going to look at the top 10 movies at the box office. We are going to take you through the highest grossing films of 1990. That's right. Yeah, but first we're going to actually just look at what came out. Yeah, there was a lot of good films, a lot of bad films. Yeah, but there's this this year is if you want to just go back and if you're ever sitting with your husband or your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, domestic partner, and you want to go for a movie night, go look at the movies of 1990. Tremors. Because they are either if you want to go under just a great bad movie yeah. or a great good movie, this year is the year to go for. I agree. Because you could throw a dart at any one of these movies Arachnophobia. and you would have a good movie to watch. <laughs> Arachnophobia. I'm sorry. Arachnophobia still is one. It's a good movie, but it's it's no 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 no. It's it's not a good movie. I, okay. I, it, it by will. good, I I mean like the movies that you're describing are like make a big bowl of popcorn. If you're feeling sexy, put some you know some uh, <laughs> some raisinets in it. Yeah. You know, mix it all These up. These are all popcorn if, movies. If you want to be healthier, put some apples in there. Whatever, but you're gonna get a big bowl of popcorn, and you're gonna go through 1990s movie okay. catalog. Her, and you're gonna real have quick, fun. real quick. Corey and I did not actually practice this, or it did not. But Corey, tell me. Real quick, go down. We'll go back and forth. Popcorn movie from this year. Name one. Ooh, popcorn movie. For Ghost Dad. Ghost Dad. Okay. <laughs> Ernest Goes to Jail. <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so great. He whittles a AK-47 out of a bar, of, of, soap. Of, a bar of soap. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, let's see here. I'm a little low on this list. You, you you can uh, you can edit I'll this keep to, going. to be to be snappier. I already said Tremors. Tremors, know. okay. Uh, Terminator Two, Ducktales the movie. Oh come on, no, you can go better. <laughs> Sorry, than that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, how about uh, uh, Days of Thunder? Oh, Days of Thunder. Yeah. Um, this is uh, Predator Two. Predator Two. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about this? The best popcorn movie of all time. The only movie you'll ever see about competitive volleyball. <laughs> it stars C. Thomas Howell. Of course. That's right. That's right. Is he in Pony blackface Boy. in this movie? No. Oh, okay. Pony Boy. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Peter Horton, you know, the guy from 30-something, the TV show from the Oh, d- don't the we 80s. all? Yeah, I mean, I know him, but yeah. the people in listening might not. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's it's uh, called Side Out. Oh, Side Out, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was filmed right down here at uh, Hermosa Beach. Oh, Hermosa. It is a it's a fantastic fantastic oh, movie. You have I'm to sure watch. it is. Is it better than Young Guns 2? Actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz Young Guns 2 has a whole soundtrack that's better than the movie. And when you know the soundtrack is great, you know the movie's shit. Yes, yeah. Great soundtracks are and great movie uh, is a, is a very narrow. I think narrow I think uh, I think this was included on our episode. It might have been number have, six, ep- about episode this. six about great movies with <laughs> or great uh, great soundtracks, terrible movies. Yeah. What else? What else you got? Well, so I got um, on this list probably House Party. Oh, House Party. Problem House Child. Party? Pro- problem Child came problem out. Problem Child year? came Dang. out this year. Die Hard Two. Die Hard 2. That's a great popcorn movie. Look Who's Talking to. Look Who's Talking to. Yeah, we also have two threes. We have Godfather 3 mm-hmm. and Back, Back to, to the, the Future, future three. Part 3. Yes. And actually, ah! I got to say, both Back to the Future Part 3 and Godfather 3 are my least favorite of both both, both 
of those uh, trilogies. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I don't. I I hate the way Back to the Future ends. I hate it. And mm, with them destroying the DeLorean, or with uh, Jules Verne. Well, first of all, I hate his. I hate Doc's girlfriend. How she pulls oh, him off. Oh, I hate on. it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate I it. I think they're perfect together. I hate it. I the, Although, uh, my opinion of this movie may have softened over the years because I just, I love Back to, like, it's my all-time favorite Me too. franchise. Me too. Um, that I, I cut it a lot of slack. Even but I'm though mad. It's, I'm it's mad the way she's, like, she's, like, chasing them down and she's such a moron the way she's acting. I just, ah. It's not a good film, but. Actually, no, up until that point, it's great. I like it because it's all like westerny and it's like kind of fun. It has great moments, but as a like completed thing, it's not. It doesn't hold up to. It's pretty the funny other when they how they fit how oh, they yeah. fit ZZ Top into it. Oh yeah, it's, it's pretty real funny. great when ZZ Top shows up and you're like, what the fuck, it's ZZ Top. <laughs> Are they also time travelers? Like, what's going on here? That's very clearly ZZ Top. Like, they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> they really shouldn't have done that. It was that. great. They're not playing like. Sharp dressed man. They're no, playing, they're like playing banjos the, and they're shit. They're playing the song that they wrote for the <laughs> themes. For you know, they are the new Huey Lewis in this movie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, misery. Oh, misery might be. Yeah, now uh, these are the these are the serious movies. Yeah, we're not quite to the top ten yet, but um, oh, fucking Total Recall. Oh, that's number we have seven to talk about list. Total Recall. We're going to talk about it when we get to okay. our top ten. But we can talk about the fact that it is the first movie to use. Uh, motion capture CGI. Really? And um, motion cap. Wow, I didn't know that. And at this at this Academy Awards, they didn't even have a best visual effects category. Yeah, because Total Recall totally would have won. Yeah, and if you guys ever remember the movie Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, there's a lot of stuff. They're living on Mars. There's a lot of stuff where people get thrown into uh, the atmosphere without any air, and oh, their faces just like explode. It's it's kind of gross, but it's like overinflated balloons. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. There's a, there's this whole face changing thing where it steps out. There's a third boob. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I, misery though, is uh is one I think we we should maybe put a pin in. It didn't quite make the top ten. You know what? The another one, ooh nineteen and twenty actually. I'm, I'm gonna throw this out there as far as uh, oh you know what we never did Jeff. Hmm. We never said what the nominees were for. No, we'll get to that at the end. Okay, and then uh, you know, but no, I, but I think I think nineteen and twenty misery and number twenty Edward Scissorhands. We're gonna put a pin in those. Until for me, later. I would say put a pin because uh, uh, looking at the nominees that we have, those are those are pretty. Those good are contenders. Movies, yeah, I'm just saying. All right, those are contenders to switch the envelope. Are there any more uh, notable movies from nineteen ninety? Notable movies that are popcorn movies and movies that you could definitely go look up and and rewatch um, or watch for the first time or hunt for Red October. Number six on our list. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and um, the other movies I think you would have to, we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the actual top 10 here. So number 10, uh, honestly, one of the more underrated Arnold Schwarzenegger films, Kindergarten Cop. This is a terrible movie. It's not great, but I love it. The best joke about this movie was made by Seth, Seth MacFarlane. I don't know McFarlane? how to say it. How do you say his last Seth name? McFarlane? Farland? Mm-hmm. Fairlane. McFarland. Like car? Farland. Farland. There's no D. McFarlane. McFarlane. I don't know. Okay. Seth so McFarlane. Seth <laughs> McFarlane. When he shows when he shows Arnold Schwarzenegger making hide you, hide you, all the jokes. He makes all the jokes from from or he makes the jokes from uh kindergarten cop with a without the accent. <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a tumor. <laughs> Doesn't make it it's not it's not funny. It is only funny because he's got I the mean, accent. You know, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Still, still cracks me up when a little kid says that shit. It cracks me up. <laughs> also, um, yeah. My dad's a gynecologist, which means he looks at vaginas all day long. That's funny. Come on, I like it. Anyway, Kindergarten Cop makes it uh, number ten. It made ninety-one million. It's also stars the the bad guy in there is also the bad guy from a little-known movie from the eighties called uh, Three O'clock High. Where mm. a guy pisses off a bully and has to go fight him at the end at three o'clock. Yeah, hi. Good movie. Is it? No. It sounds like a Lifetime original movie. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's one that I saw like after school one day. It's a very special episode of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> it's actually a. Uh, 
uh, it shaped my childhood. Oh, did yeah. it? Yeah. Don't bully guys. The uh, the the in the end he wins by having brass knuckles in his pocket. So you know. Oh, so he's fucked up. Yeah. So so that's the that's the. The moral of the story is is bring a better weapon. Brass (laughs) knuckles. Yeah. Uh, Number nine on the list, clocking in at one hundred and three million dollars, was Dick Tracy. Huge phenomenon. This movie. A lot of people went to go see Dick Tracy. It it uh, there was a real pop culture swing towards Dick Tracy. Uh, Yeah. You know, it was at a time when you didn't have all the Marvel movies. This mm-hmm. was the equivalent of like a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. You just had had, like you said, actually earlier off air, you just had Batman come out. Yeah, the the year before, I think. Yeah, yeah. and this was the next big uh, comic book movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I was little back then, but I remember everybody had all the Dick Tracy merchandise. The funny thing about this movie is that the way they communicated was through watches. Mm-hmm. Now walkie talkie watches. It's walkie talkie watches. Watch walkie talkie watches, and that's that's what everybody wanted. Everybody wanted a Dick Tracy watch that you could talk through the walkie talkie. And now that's exactly what we have with Apple Watches. Yeah, but they invented it through Dick Tracy. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, I I think <clears throat> when the Apple Watch came out, uh, that was the joke I kept making because my wife was like, "I need to get an Apple Watch," and I was like, "Yo, you should have got that shit when it was back in." <laughs> You know, in the 90s when Dick Tracy came out, yeah. I had one. I should have kept mine. Mine is much cooler, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Because in the original cartoon in the 60s, I mm-hmm. think it was, yeah, they, they that's, how they, that's how they talked. The the sort of walkie-talkie uh, sp- spy secret agent kind of a thing was a, a huge thing. Like the small transistor radios. That's what like Get Smart makes fun of by having the walkie-talkie in his shoe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, that, that was like a big, big trope of those types of... Uh, comics and TV shows and movies and, and whatnot was the uh, incognito transistor radio things. Yeah, Dick, Dick Tracy was uh, was an immensely popular film, uh, but uh, still only good enough to come in nine because Bruce Willis coming back for a sequel in Die Hard 2, Die Harder. <clears throat> Die Hard 2 stands up to the first one. This is one of those sequels that you go, yeah, that that that's just as good. Another Die Hard Christmas. Yeah, the only thing that that doesn't hold up to it is you're like, yeah, how does he keep getting all in all these this? Pro- how does he keep getting into these problems? But you know, I mean, how does another group of like ten terrorists still be in the same place as him? Yeah, it's, uh, you start to think after a while, like maybe it's you. <laughs> like no, after the third Die, one, Die Hard Three should have been one, you're him like, going to therapy. You're like, wait a second, man. <laughs> Wait a second. Well, when and the third one, when you realize that he is the the third guy is actually Hans Gruber's brother, right? You're like, okay, it really is you. Yeah, they retconned it in, into a nice play, but yeah. there, there really needs to be a, a moment where a therapist is like, maybe you need to look inside yourself, John. <laughs> you know, like, why are you attracting such negativity? Exactly. <laughs> but the, actually, the, the the plot of the second one is is pretty good, and the the whole the whole movie is actually pretty good. It's a fun movie. The, there is a, there's a fight sequence on a wing of the plane as they're on the tarmac sort of trying yeah, to take off. Yeah, he's fighting with the he's fighting with the with the colonel. Yeah, well, he's fight, he fights like three different people on the wing because they just keep coming. No, out he fights he fights the he fights the colonel. That's the fights the colonel's like I'm gonna take care of this and he goes yeah. out there and he's like he's like I'm gonna take, and then he he kicks the colonel and the guy goes. Whoosh, Right through the engine. Yes, but he ends up fighting two other guys on the. Oh yeah, well. he fights the head bad guy too. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, uh, man, this movie is a little out there when I think about it. But there's a there's <laughs> shots on the wing where clearly not Bruce Willis. It's like Bruce Willis's stunt double. That's how every one of those so movies clearly. was. It was. Arnold Schwarzenegger's the same thing in Terminator, which came out the same year. Yeah, <laughs> Terminator. This, I said this yeah. before when there's scenes where he jumps off the bridge on a motorcycle and is a chubby. White guy with with black hair. I'm like that is not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, stunt doubles in the '90s. They must have been few and far between because uh, they did not have. I yeah, I, I don't know. Are they just the, the matching of the stunt double? Like now, you see things where like a particular actor has their stunt double and they follow them around from movie to movie to movie. Like they make an entire career being just that person's stunt double. I'm surprised though that they had him on, on a, a real stunt double on that because. Or why did they need one? Because I would think they would have just had a fake friggin' airplane wing and him sitting on top of the airplane wing. Because Bruce Willis doesn't want to throw fake punches? I don't know. I mean, there was like a wind machine and like they were throwing fake oh. snow and, and fog at him, you know, and uh, nah, it was nah. not a it's not a level surface. You know, there's 
Okay. Curvature of the wings. You know, like, what's his name? Like, Tom Cruise and, like, Patrick Swayze, those guys both, they did literally their own stunts. They were, like, hanging off of rocks. Bruce Willis is like, I don't have to? Cool. Send in Derek. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) But it's it's very, like, their physique changes Not that I would do that either, but I mean. Oh, no, I would totally stunt double it, yeah. (laughs) Although, like. Yeah, there's a part of me that would be like, could could my stunt double have extra abs? Like, <laughs> like can he be just swole as shit? <laughs> you know, I go out there looking like Jack Black, and then I go to throw a punch, and suddenly I'm this swole six foot nine dude. <laughs> That's the way I would rock it, but you know, just me. Uh, All right, num- what's next? Number seven, uh, edging out by two million dollars, Die Hard Two is Total Recall, the aforementioned Total Recall. Okay, Total Recall, which honestly. Really fun movie, dated as fuck, but I I still have fun every time I watch Total Recall. There there is something incredibly charming about Arnold. I I, I understand the now accent. why he was a star. <laughs> it's not even just the accent. He's like this giant human being. That's, also, have you ever seen him from the eighties? He is a. It's ridiculous how how insanely ripped that dude was. Yes, he looks like the Conan Barbarian guy. It's like. Yeah, that that fits. Yes, absolutely. It's insane how in how in shape that guy was. But all all of those those really cheesy movies, The Running Man, Total Recall, like before he became sort of like superstar. A, a superstar doing like True the Lies and man. You know, the, the big budgety. Well, stuff. he wasn't as big then. He was no. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like when when and he's he older was, too. I mean, he's doing th- those movies. Like the steroids kind of got to him. He's losing his liver by then. <laughs> they were so fun. In that they were so bad, you know what I'm saying. They there's a real B quality movie or B movie quality to them that is so charming. Yeah, but I think yeah, you're right. I agree with you 100 percent on that. You know, I, I and I completely understand why he skyrocketed to superstardom. You know, the, there's there's just something about watching him lumber around <laughs> that works. You know, like it's crazy. Uh, so that was Total Recall. Uh, the Hunt for Red October comes in at number six. Hunt oh, for October. Me. The Hunt for Red October. Hunt for I October. Throw another the. There is more than just. Um, this is more than just a great movie. First of all, you have Alec Baldwin uh, at his best. This is before he became kind of all the stuff, all the baggage that kind of came later. Before he became doughy. No, 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 no. Like That's not what I mean. Point, That's Baldwin not what I mean. Actually, doughy. actually, a lot of his he came with a lot of baggage. Mm. Um, a lot of his baggage actually came from this, started from this film. Before oh, right. this, he was actually a really good actor. Like nobody really knew that much about his personal life, all that stuff. Mm. Um, what's really good about this film is this is start the the Tom Clancy series. Uh huh. So this is before you get after this, you get Patriot Games, and um, then Clear and Present Clear Danger. Clear Danger. But the reason why you have Harrison Ford doing those movies it's because Alec Baldwin fucked up. Alec Baldwin wanted more money. Yep. And he thought he should get more money. But on this one, you have a great team where you have Alec Baldwin and Sean Connery. Welcome and to it's the Rock. Great. That's the great line from The Hunt for Red October. No. That Welcome is, to the Rock. That is the line from The Rock. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is something's in here. I don't react very well to Butch. Yes, because they're Remember, in a he's Russian. Submarine. That's true. He's Russian with Sean a Scottish, ac- Scottish <laughs> accent. <laughs> Playing a Russian man who is just like, nope. Yeah. He is <laughs> Russian with a Scottish accent. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of movies where you just forget that people are supposed to be a certain nationality. That happens a lot in like, you don't every need time to. they do you a Roman, to. It's a Roman era movie, and everybody's British. talking perfect British. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why they're British in Roman Queen, movies. Queen's and Greek. British in every Roman movie. In Troy, freaking, they all have like British accents, except for Brad Pitt, who's just sort of Brad, Brad Pitt. It up. <laughs> um. But yeah, the hunt for Red October is 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 a pretty good film. Uh, I don't think that I it, actually this I will watch the same day of the week. It's not one I'll of go those watch now. where where I think it should be in the conversation for an Academy Award. But no, it's just a fun. It's a fun dad movie. It is a it is a dad movie. It's but I it's think total I think movie. Crimson Tide is actually a better movie. Mm. But this is a more uh, I don't know. It's more. It's, it came before Crimson Tide. Anybody who doesn't know, Crimson Tide is a similar submarine movie. These are mm-hmm. both submarine movies. Mm-hmm. This one is Alec Baldwin and Sean Connery. Crimson Tide is Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. But um, this one, I think, is a. They're both just as good. They're both good. And this one came first. Submarine movies had their heyday in like '90s through the mid 2000s. 
think they like, still will. I mean, you're always gonna have because you can always have um, uh, that that tension because you're anytime you, you put anywhere, people yeah. under the it's it's the claustrophobia. It's the you're always gonna have the thing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I can't even talk about it. Freaks me out. But I'm saying specifically, it, it like you could almost consider it its own subgenre of movie, like submarine movies. Like there was enough movies made. Yeah, you had where, U five seven one. Yeah, you had uh, with uh, what's his name, the the, the McCona, McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey, also Bon Jovi. He was in it for about five seconds, but he was in it. <laughs> Harvey uh, Keitel. It was Harvey Keitel, Harvey Matthew Keitel. McConaughey. You also uh, had um, Down Periscope. You cannot put down Periscope. Submarine okay, movie. Another, 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 another episode <laughs> where we talk about submarine movies. What's on next? Another next, next submarine top? movie, Titanic. That is not a submarine movie. That's got a submarine in it. They spend half of the That's movie kind of submersible. in a submarine. That's different. It's kind of the same thing. Okay, what's the next right, on our It's list? not a nuclear sub. You're right. Uh, after The Hunt for Red October, coming into the top five now. This movie was all I could think about when I was a kid in 1990. Goodwill Humping. <laughs> that was not till a few years later. That was when I was a... T- uh, uh, 13, 14 year olds. Okay. <laughs> um, no, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it's a great movie. The original live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <clears throat> in which Corey Feldman was a voice character. Yes, he was. <laughs> and then you had Casey Jones. Uh, is he in that one or the He's second in the first one? one. Is he in the Casey first one? Jones is in the first one. <clears throat> April O'Neil. April O'Neil. The Shredder. Yep. You know? Well, Shredder's in both, but yeah. He is. This is before he became uh, Mega Shredder or whatever the fuck. Yeah, they this is a good him. one. This is a good one. This like is this, uh, this is Ninja Turtle Sans uh, Ninja Rap by Vanilla Ice, so it's a good. <laughs> go Ninja, go Ninja, go. And that's pretty good too. You're right. Yeah, yeah taking me back. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, such a kids movie. Uh, it was uh, good enough Adult to movie if you want to watch it. <laughs> if you try hard enough. <laughs> now this is the movie that they remade. The reason why they remade this movie. Um, yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that, but yeah, because they, it was such a box office success. Yeah, it was actually the biggest independent film uh, of all time up until that point. It was released by New Line Cinema, I believe. New Line. No, up until that point, it had been the biggest independent film release. Oh, that's cool. It uh, it feels like uh, an indie film. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Um, I still like the original Ninja Turtle. Like I'll still watch that, and like I know that it's not, you know, gonna change the world kind of a thing. Uh, but in a way, like it, it was great film to to watch as a kid. Like this is akin to sort of for me, like um, sh- sort of shaping that sort of nerd brain that we get uh, when we we become adults. You know, like the Labyrinth or you know the Dark Crystal or Neverending Story, the movies that we kind of talked about before. You know, where like we really talked are, about Neverending Story. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Neverending Story. Um, you know, these sort of prime those sort of fantasy um, uh, leanings when you go searching out your your media, and then so it, you want to live in a sewer. They're gateway, with a rat. They're gateway movies to you know bigger fantasy movies that and only eat pizza are well made, <laughs> like The Lord of the Rings and you know all that kind of stuff, and even like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I think because a lot of you know, adults now saw those types of films when they were kids and loved them uh, have led to uh, a lot of the sort of superhero movies hitting at the right zenith of time. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. That, you know, the, those, the people that are making and love and, um, you know, watch those, you know, fantastical comic book movies now are the kids that watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and were like, yes, that's my jam. Cool. You know what I'm saying? Okay, what's next on our list? Uh, number four is... Uh, there's a, a pretty big gap between Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Pretty Woman at number four here. So you're saying number four is Pretty Woman? Number four is Pretty Woman. Uh, it's uh, Ninja Turtles made $135 million, which is respectable. Uh, pretty Woman makes $178 million. Okay, if you so. haven't seen Pretty Woman, you are um, it's like, not... Um, human yeah so <clears throat> pretty woman is the wonderful story of a beautiful woman who is a street walker she is a uh, sex worker sex worker mm-hmm. um but i mean she physically is a she walking, walks the street she walks the point, street yeah. looking for sex her name is uh 
Well, looking to sell sex. She's an entrepreneur. <laughs> Sorry, we don't want to. She has her. rules. We don't, we don't want to hook her shame. Yeah. Mm. We don't hook her shame anybody. But she was a hooker. Mm-hmm. And then she's Sex picked work. up. <laughs> no, she's she's a hooker. Okay. And she's picked up by uh, Richard Gere. Richard Gere, who was a billionaire back then, early '90s millionaire. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And so he uh, he picks her up, and not expecting anything from her, and then he just wants an escort to his different escorts to different uh, events, and it ends up turning into a relationship. He's lonely. Because now it's more like it's more like he wants he doesn't want relationship he doesn't want a relationship relationship entanglements and he just wants somebody he can pay to go to events that he's going to have to have business meetings and stuff and he doesn't want to have to have anybody that's going to fall for him or he will fall in love with so he just wants somebody he can pay to leave he wants the girlfriend experience exactly yeah more like he wants an escort. Yeah, so yeah, well they they call that the girlfriend experience. It's like you also hang out and stuff and sort of our arm candy. I'm not uh, I'm not but you, familiar you don't with this all these terms that look, uh, that uh, sex I've done extensive use. research. I wrote a thesis. <laughs> How was the lab work on that? <laughs> Excruciating. Long so, hours. <laughs> so uh so yeah, if you have not seen that film, uh go see it because uh, it is extremely dated at this point. It has uh, it is extremely dated, but it has one of the most iconic improv scenes. It also has one of the most icon- iconic songs. It must have been love, <laughs> but it's all over I'm now. Just kidding. It must have been love. I will say that uh, what's his name from um, from Seinfeld? Who plays who plays uh, Stucky in the movie? George um, Costanza. George Costanza. What's his name in that? What's his real name? Uh, George Costanza. <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever. But uh, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander said that when they were making the film, he said nobody knew what was being filmed and what wasn't. Oh, really? He said they never knew what actually was being filmed because they wouldn't, they literally wouldn't start, they wouldn't tell them what they were filming. That, it does not make sense for that kind of a movie. Yeah, he said he wasn't, he said so at the end of the film, he said we didn't we didn't know what how this guy was going to be getting putting this film together because we didn't know what was actually filmed or not, and that's why half the stuff they see is like improved. What? Yeah, they said that's why a lot of the stuff they look they 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 were watching the movie when they were seeing all the reels put or the what's called you know the dailies or whatever uh-huh. when they were seeing they said they weren't letting them see dailies or something and they said when they put it all together, it was. Um, they were seeing parts that n- nobody had been had been actually thinking were being filmed. This movie was directed by Gary Marshall. Yeah, yeah. Why? What was he just like? For this film, I'm going to do something different. Or maybe he just <laughs> your Al Pacino and your Gary Marshall Hoo-ah! are are identical. <laughs> no, I guess he was like the scene where he slaps the where he slaps her hand. Yeah, yeah. That's one that, of the most iconic improv yeah, scenes yeah. Uh, caught on film. Yeah. But I guess I guess all that he said. There's more than just that. He said, there's like scenes all throughout the movie where they're just he would just say go like just talk or or something, and huh. he would just be filming, and they wouldn't know it, and then he would keep it. So and then they would just completely bypass the or they would change the script like just before giving them lines, all this kind of stuff. So he said they didn't even know what was going to be in the film or not. I feel like as an actor, I would have if I like if I was on set, I would just have anxiety all day. Maybe they did. I can't even like I wouldn't even be able to like stay in character because I would just be like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But if you think about that movie, there are a lot of scenes that are just like kind of weird, like like there's a scene where her. Her friend goes up to a counter and starts talking to like a random old couple. Like, there's lots of scenes like that where it's just, hmm. you know, that just kind of set the mood and character I rather guess, than being yeah, lines. It, it it doesn't feel like a movie where you would just sort of like, but or there's like just go the guy who's like the manager of the hotel. There's tons of scenes where he's just talking to random people uh-huh. where he's like pointing at the ground and saying you need to clean this up. Or he's like, there's just random scenes like that all throughout the movie. Yeah, I guess. Huh, that's interesting. I had, I had no idea that that's the way uh, Pretty Pretty Moon was a uh, fast and loose production <laughs> where everybody just kind of roamed around and he well, caught they realism. Didn't, they didn't expect it to be the, a box office smash. I mean, Julia Roberts was not an unknown actress. Was she un- well, She had done like Mystic Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, there's like 10 people that saw Mystic Pizza at the time. Cool. You know, she's super popular. All right, what else is on our list? <laughs> We're running late. We're running late right now. So what else is on our list? Uh, coming in at number three, our best picture winner this year, Dances with Wolves. All right, bested Pretty Woman by uh, you know almost ten million dollars. 
then number two, Ghost with $217 million, uh, which we've talked about already. And the number one movie, uh, you know, probably one of the, the best kids Christmas movies. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Is uh, one that is always on in my house during the, the holidays, and that's uh, Kevin McAllister fending, uh, you know, defending his house from uh, two would-be from uh, Mr. wet J- bandits. <laughs> Mr. Joe Pesci. From Joe Pesci. Uh, and that's Home Alone. Yep. Daniel Stern, Joe Pesci, and... Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Yep. Macaulay Culkin. Who, this starts Macaulay Culkin's, uh, like... Meteoric downward, of, downward, <laughs> of <laughs> incredible stardom that and, just crashes and burns. And downward so projection into loneliness and uh, emancipation from his parents. Yeah, and, and them yeah. trying to steal his money, and yeah. oh, it gets it gets real. Oh, I mean, bad. I mean, stardom. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, star- yeah, absolute fame and fortune. <laughs> yes. All right. So yeah, Home Alone. I like Home Alone. So let's go over real quick to end our episode. We're going to go over the nominees for 1991's Academy Awards or the the 63rd Academy Awards. So on our list for the Academy Awards, we have, and the nominees are Dances with Wolves, Ghost, Awakenings, Godfather Part 3, and Goodfellas. If you think that one of, oh, by the way, those are the nominees for Best Picture. If you think... Shit, I messed that up. Hmm. I'll, I'll fucking fix it. Those are the nominees for Best Picture. Dances with Wolves was the winner that year. If you believe that one of these films should have been the winner, and you think you that one of these... If, if you believe that one of these films should be the winner, and you would have switched the envelope, why don't you tweet us now? ahead of next week's episode so that we can talk about it uh, next week switch the envelope yeah it, it sort of sounded like you're ending the episode but um, yeah we are do you want to add any we put a pin in a couple movies when we're going through the the movies of 1990 that do we want to add to the conversation we talked a bit about Edward Scissorhands and Misery I would love to add Edward Scissorhands to this. I don't really care about Misery being in there. I think Misery is a very flat movie. It's very one. I mean, I think you can take the well, exact same. Well, at one same. point, it takes a very sharp right turn. <laughs> I think that movie is very typical. I think I've seen that same plot so many times. See, now, have you seen that plot since? Yes. Or, no, no, no. no but I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing, like, yes. It's probably since. Or is it that that movie sort of started that sort of suspense oh my gosh, the fuck have I done kind of a thing. I don't know, but I know that uh, I that I feel like I could see that as a Netflix original. Oh, yeah, it would be. They should remake it. Oh, that would be crazy. But yeah, you know what? The fact that it could be remade and you would be excited about it is not a good marker of it being <laughs> like, it doesn't bode well for it being like, that's the only way that movie should be. But see, know? with Edward Scissorhands, I don't think you could remake that. I would not want them to remake Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, I, I could. You could never remake Edward Scissorhands. You could not have another Johnny Depp unless you had, you know, Robert Smith of the Cure. <laughs> he's and right real now old he's now. right now he's sixty. Yeah, and yeah, and he, he just wouldn't. He couldn't play the younger younger guy. Yeah, Ed, Edward Scissorhands, you know, presents an, an interesting. I, I think Edward Scissorhands should should be thrown in the conversation because it, one, it's another uh, directorial. No, it's not a directorial debut. Um, it um it's a young director in Tim Burton, uh sort of giving you his like this is what Tim. It's Burton actually is. a young pairing too. You, it's like one of the first times you f- you have the pairing of Tim Burton, Johnny uh, Depp, Johnny Depp and Danny Elfman. Oh, Danny Elfman. Oh, that's true. Yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. There, there's so much right about that. Film. And you've got Vincent Price. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. I mean, come on, man. You got Vincent Price. Yeah, there's um, there's a real unique vision to that movie there's a unique storytelling there is this beautiful juxtaposition between two worlds although it's colliding. weird there's some it's weird super shit. weird no i mean there's some weird shit that i never understood about that movie hmm. um we can talk about it in the next episode okay we'll get to it all right all right cool so um 
So just just the Edward Scissorhands. So it's the five traditional nominees plus Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, for, I mean, I don't, I don't see, I don't see, uh, like Die Hard two no. making this list or no, a lot of popcorn you know. movies, and we discuss them mostly. Uh, yeah, they are. None of great, them. None of them are. I really best think picture. people need to go out there and see some of these movies. I, we made jokes about all of them, but I think any movie that we named on this popcorn list, I actually, no joke, watched Ernest Goes to Jail two weeks ago. Did you? <laughs> I, I really did. I want to go watch Ernest Goes to Jail. You should because right they, those movies feel the same as they did when I was a kid. They don't change. Like <laughs> they don't. I, they are just as funny. Especially Ernest Goes to Camp and Ernest Goes to Jail are just as funny now as they were when I was younger. I laugh just as hard at those movies. I have to be honest. I saw Ernest Scared Stupid. I never laughed at that one. This past Halloween and thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I like those movies, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so. I mean, yeah, I mean, Total Recall, Pretty Woman, Dick Tracy, Back to the Future Three, Godfather, Don't Watch, uh, Godfather Three. <laughs> well, I no, mean, Godfather, 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 Godfather Watch, Godfather Part Three, don't. Godfather Part Three, Don't Watch, Hunt for October, definitely see Cape Fear. We didn't talk about, but Cape oh, Fear. Oh, Cape see. Fear, yeah, it's great. You know, but we'll talk about the rest of them on the next episode. All right, thank you. We'll uh, we'll get to our our metric and we'll find out who should have rightfully won the 1991 best picture on the next episode of switch the envelope